You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We're now halfway through May in the year 2018. Can you believe it? I'll tell you what, uh, we are really doing our best at Pride Ministries to take full advantage of this year, to take the bull by the horns. And I am happy to announce that we have completed the recording of the fourth class at the Bride Ministries Institute. So now if you go to www.bridemovement.com, you can go to Bride Ministries Institute and you will find that we have four Purchase the Grace class, the In Christ class, the Spiritual Warfare class, and coming soon, because it's already been recorded, the Kingdom class. And at Broad Ministries, these were the four foundational discipleship courses that were made, and with the completion of these, we now have uh, enough material at our Bride Ministries Institute to basically develop a leadership track. And so I am just so excited. One of the big things that's been at Bride Ministries that, you know, that, that God has been bringing to my attention is the need to, well, empower, equip, and release leaders. This is something that I am now trying to figure out how to do more effectively. And so, well, we're going to be leaning on our institute for more and more purposes. And, of course, now that we have the core courses of, of, of what we originally designed as discipleships that were live before, we're going to be moving into some other fancier stuff like uh, advanced spiritual warfare, deliverance techniques and stuff, and eventually getting into the DID coaching component of what the Institute will offer. So I, I just want to make that announcement. I'm, I'm really excited about the way this is working out. And I have to give props to my wife who is dragging me up this mountain, uh, making all of the appointments and scheduling all of the recording days because otherwise I would probably tap out and say, you know, I'm a little too tired for this. Let's uh, let's just push it back, you know. So anyway, I, I'm so grateful. And I want to thank those of you that continue to stand by us and support us financially and uh, so into this ministry. Because with what we are receiving, we are able to just keep pushing the envelope and and I love that because the Bible says, and God is able to give you exceedingly abundantly, um, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in us. It also says that God is able to make all grace to abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency and all things may abound unto every good work. And I, I, I love the concept of abundance and the idea that we are supposed to operate from a state of lack throughout our entire Christian experience is just not realistic when you look at what God actually has to offer. There is a place where you transition from, you know, moving from a place of lack to, to, to need and, and needing to believe God for everything that comes, whether it's a, a, a new car, it's like, oh, I don't know where I'm going to get it from, or a new home, I don't know where I'm going to get it from, to a place where you say, Lord, what kind of car, you know, what kind of house, where do you want me to live, whatever, and 
once you get peace, you just go and you acquire it because the resources are present. That's transitioning into another level of kingdom living. And you guys are helping us as a ministry to get there. And I believe that those of you that are connecting with this ministry are tapping into that opening environment. We actually are believing for debt freedom as a a manifestation in this house for those that connect with Bride Ministries. We're believing for debt freedom. We're believing for improved marriages, uh, blessings coming upon homes, healing and deliverance, becoming active as a lifestyle pattern in people's lives that connect with this house. You know, this, this, these are the prayers that we're seeding as we pray over Bride Ministries so that those of you that connect with us begin to enjoy these things. Anyway, okay. Uh, Thank you to those of you that continue to support us. If you want to support what God is doing in this ministry, go to bridemovement.com. We have a donate page. You can also write us anytime at P.O. Box 835661, Richardson, Texas 75083. My book, Perts, Shake Heaven and Earth, has been out for a little while now. The ebook is available. Okay, the ebook is available. It's available on our website and it's available at other retailers. You can get it wherever you want it. I just want to encourage those of you that have been blessed by the book. Please find a preferred distributor of books somewhere on the internet. Uh, Amazon is a great place to go if you can. And leave a review. This is how people find stuff. And when there are really good tools but no one's talking about them, it's unlikely that the people that need those tools will find them. So your review is a vote and, and, and a, um, an empowerment of someone else to get their hands on tools that are setting people free, establishing healing in communities and families and lives and all that. So uh, please help, help a brother out. <laughs> okay, next point, and uh, then we're going to get right into the program. The Fireplace Church, we're meeting every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. For those of you that have been enjoying it, I, I, I mean, you're showing up and, and we're so glad to have you, but there's many of you that aren't coming and, and yet you're interested in what's being shared. And we want to encourage attendance because what, what we're trying to do is create and engender a sense of community, even though we are primarily an internet platform. But because the demand has continued to be presented to us for, okay, what are you guys talking about at the Fireplace Church? Or I can't be there because I work or I have some other kind of commitment or I'm on the other side of the world and that's 3 a.m. for me. I can't be awake at that time. How can I get a hold of what's going on at the Fireplace Church? Well, we have now opened up at the shop page at bridemovement.com access to all of the Fireplace Church archives. For a small fee, anyone, anywhere can pick up any one of our Fireplace Church messages. Uh, they're not free like the podcast, but that's because we're still trying to use them as a way to say thank you to our financial supporters. So for those of you that are financial supporters as, um, and, and have blessed our ministry with $100 or more, um, you are able to log in to our website under the Fireplace Church members only page. When you log in there, all of the Fireplace Church archives become free to you. Now, we're trying to update our donor list and the uh, free podcasts that are, or not podcasts, but Fireplace Church audios that are available um, on a monthly basis. Meaning if you, if you haven't given $100, but you heard this and you say, okay, I'm going to donate $100, you're not necessarily going to have access opened up 
the next day because what we need to do is we need to download a report once a month, go through it, look at all of the new supporters that have uh, met the criteria, and then we manually have to go in and add that access to you. And so we're trying to do that on a monthly basis. And so just you know, be be a little patient. And if you want immediate access, you say, hey, can you just look at this and add me? Always feel free to write us an email at info at bridemovement.com. Let us know what's going on and we'll be able to take care of it that way. So with that said, that is the uh, latest shift on our website. And we're excited to make those available to anyone that would like them now. So with that said, we're going to get to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. It is time for round eight, or I should say episode eight of Storytime with KC. And I've had such a joy introducing those of you that listen to this program to KC, mostly because you guys have no idea how much work and effort she puts into these programs. I'm not kidding you. Right now, I am looking at a document that actually details everything she's going to tell you and has yellow highlights and bold letters on every place where I have the opportunity to input knowledge. I I mean, she (laughs) thinks these programs through to a science, guys. And uh, (laughs) I love it. It makes my job so easy. Folks, uh, Casey is a client or former client of mine that we did some incredible work together and she has uh, come back on the tail end of a lot of that work to tell the story and the testimony of the radical things the Lord has done and Casey welcome back to discovering the truth with Dan Duvall thank you Daniel it is good to be back once again well, you know, it's it's always a pleasure, Casey, and, and um, <laughs> barring the uh, funniness, um, you know, I, I really do appreciate you being here because it takes guts, and I say, I've said this before, but you know, folks, it does take guts to be publicly uh, uh, confessing the radical things that God does in closed sessions and 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 God does radical things, things that many people in the body of Christ are kind of nervous about. They get a little shaky. Uh, they might look at you sideways if they find out that you're the one having the conversation. But Casey, she, she doesn't mind. And she is here to share and to help you grow. Um, and, you know, with that said, we're just going to jump right in because... Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're actually picking up where episode seven left off. And so, Casey, I'm just going to give you the opportunity to, you know, walk us back into your story. Where are we picking up? Okay, Daniel. Well, <clears throat> as I think many people know, I always start out and I always make an emphasis on saying that Daniel always starts his coaching session with prayer. 
So after prayer, Charles, my protector, was 75 years old, and he was in, the, in a standing position in participation to work with Daniel. He was really excited this at that time. And it's funny to me how Charles will be 75 years old for battle, and then on other occasions, he's 45 years old for healing. And I mentioned in my previous episodes that... <clears throat> When he's 75 years old and he's ready for battle, it is because Charles will fight in the wisdom of the Lord. So this time, Charles was wearing his white long tunic with a gold stand-up collar that joins together in the front, and then it goes down the length of his tunic, and it stops about three inches above the floor. He was wearing white pants with white leather fitted round-toed shoes and his sword was strapped to his waist and it hung in its sheath on his right side. Charles says that there would be a battle during this season. Well, I think uh, Daniel and I were both prepared for the battle. So before Always prepared for the battle. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So now, uh, Daniel mentioned that uh, we're actually picking up from episode seven. So I just want to uh, say just something, a, a little something about episode uh, seven, because the fight with the mermaid in a different place under the sea will continue in this episode as well, except it's going to be in another region. So Daniel fought and he defeated a huge merman named the King of the Sea in the Antarctic region. There was a vault in a certain spot of that battle, and it sits on a major ley line on the earth under the sea. Daniel, do you have anything to say about merman? <laughs> of course I have something to say about merman. Um, good question. I, you know, folks... We've brought up the subject of mermen and merfolk on this program before, but here's where I want to begin, okay? People get really weird when you bring up these subjects, particularly in Christian churches, because we want to make believe. We want to invent a world that lines up with people who rewrote history and what they told us to believe. That, that That's what we want. We want to be able to believe the historical reworkers and rewriters. And when we can go into caves and see clear depictions of merfolk in cave drawings dating back thousands of years and see other evidence all over the place of the existence of these creatures, it, 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 it behooves me to think how we justify in our own minds that we are correct and assuming they don't exist. It's not real. It's just make-believe. It's like, mm, that, that it doesn't line up. And in the warfare and in the work that we have done, and, and this is with many people, we run into merfolk. And I've talked about this with other guests as well, so I'm not going to harp on this for a long time. But, but the truth is that they are components of the underwater kingdoms. And there are many bases of operation of the kingdom of darkness under the sea. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Revelation, chapter 13, you will find that there is a beast, and the beast comes out of the sea. 
Now, some people would like to think that that means the sea of humanity or just, you know, people that give birth to a Antichrist type figure. But <clears throat> I am convinced that there is a lot of diabolical and evil work that goes on under the sea. And if you haven't heard my program on the underwater spirit kingdom that I did years ago, you need to go find it. At the end of the day, we find that we are dealing with merfolk regularly. And uh, what we have found is that they will oftentimes exist in the spirit world, but they can cross over into the physical world and take a physical body and then cross back over into the spirit world back and forth under the sea. So sometimes they can be kind of hard to track or find for that reason because they're in and out of our dimension. Also, I have found, and this has been the more interesting thing, that many times, especially when people have had certain types of programming or exposure, they will have parts of their humanity that are woven with other stuff and they appear as mermaids. And so during deliverance sessions, we'll be having to take mermaids apart to extract the humanity of that person from what appears to be a merfolk in order to get them healed and set free in Jesus' name. All of this becomes part of the conversation on merfolk, and I'm just going to leave it there. There's more I could say, but Casey, let's get back to your story. Okay, <clears throat> so now when Daniel defeated the king of the sea, he decided not to destroy the vault and that realm or the dimension that we were in, but instead he decided to build on it and establish an orchestra of angelic hosts to play worship music to the Most High God day and night. So my ruler and Daniel's rulers, uh, ruler, uh, they were there, and my ruler was actually looking at Daniel's ruler as he inspected the region of weak places, and then he directed the angelic war angels to fortify them. So it was kind of interesting to see my ruler was actually learning from Daniel's ruler on what to do. So now let's step into what's taking place in this episode. So I saw my ruler fighting 12 mermen with her sword while standing in her chariot. I asked Charles, who were we fighting? And he said, Poseidon. I looked up Poseidon and learned that he's a god of the sea. So in my research, I read the following. Poseidon was one of the 12 Olympians in the ancient Greek religion and myth. He was a god of the sea and other waters of earthquakes and of horses. In pre-Olympian Bronze Age Greece, he was held in high esteem as a chief deity. And then it goes on and on and on. For more information, you can go to Wikipedia and look up Poseidon and you will be able to see more uh, about him. So Daniel, did you want to say anything about Poseidon before we continue to move on? So yes, Poseidon is a uh, principality, he, he, uh, an ancient deity for Grecians and others that have followed the cult. And and it's a real spirit being. I mean, Poseidon is as real as the trees in front of your house. I mean, he is a real problem. And many people that have associations with the underwater spirit world 
have some kind of connection into Poseidon. It, 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 he is one of the guys that we run into over and over and over and over again. And when it comes to the conversation on Poseidon, you know, people begin to say, well, I have dreams under the sea or I go under the sea and I have to eat, eat food or I have to go under the sea and do missions in my dreams and stuff like that. Uh, I will often ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of Truth, can you tell this person, do they have an interface with Poseidon or do they carry the Poseidon bloodline? And if the answer to either of those are yes, and many times it is, uh, we, we'll go through one of the prayers and we have prayers for this very purpose at BrideMovement.com and also my book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. Many people need to be set free from Poseidon as an entity or the Poseidon bloodline. Uh, and, And also, Poseidon is one of the Olympians. And what we found is that the Olympians, as a corporate group of entities, have an Olympian bloodline. And in our book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, there's a prayer for freedom from non-human bloodlines, one of the groups is the Olympians, which includes Poseidon. And so if you find yourself consistently drawn to Greek mythology in particular, you're always wanting to look at movies that feature Greek so-called mythology, and you, you have a very strong drive in that direction, you may be carrying the Olympian bloodline, which is a defilement on your humanity. And I want to encourage you, look up our book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, get that prayer for freedom from non-human bloodlines and use it on the Olympian bloodline. This this translates the same way for the Anunnaki, which we talked about in another episode. Also, ancients, you know, Osiris, Isis, Thoth, these guys, they have their bloodlines. And sometimes we need to divorce ourselves and, and be set free by Jesus Christ from these influences, which put genetic code in us serving as backdoors and allowances for the enemy to attack us no matter how many times we repent of the simple things like lying or stealing or cheating or gambling or having an idol in our life like our car or our bank account, so on and so forth. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say about Poseidon. Let's continue. Yes. Okay. So then I refocused my attention back on my ruler fighting the 12 mermen under the sea on the sea floor. She released six of her horses and they flanked to the left to come around and behind the mermen to attack them and to tread on what seemed to be the top of a roof of some type of building that led to a city in the sea. The other six horses were loose by my ruler and they flanked to the right and did the same action of of attack and then treaded upon the top of that same roof of that building that led to a city in the sea. So I saw my exhorter, my exhorter was there and my exhorter was actually cheering on my ruler as she loudly proclaimed through her megaphone that the kingdom of God was at hand. That's what she was saying. The kingdom of God was at hand. She was saying this in her in her uh, megaphone. And my exhorter held uh, um, her pom-poms in her left hand. And her pom- whenever she uh, uh, shakes her pom-poms, uh, the blood of Jesus actually is sprinkled from the pom-poms into the atmosphere of that realm. 
And, and it's, uh, it's amazing actually to see that. And if, uh, if you had not, have not listened to episode number five, then I would encourage you and I welcome you to listen to episode number five, because that's when Daniel actually activates my spirit woman and her seven facets, uh, in that episode. So they are individual facets of my spirit woman. And, uh, and, and it, they are um, explained in more detail in episode number five. So I remembered earlier uh, in that particular day before the coaching session that while I was at work, I was afflicted in my spirit, but I did not know what or who was afflicting me. And it was hard for me to work effectively that day. So Charles, my guardian angel and protector, told me that I was being afflicted by dead human spirits from the state of Alabama in the United States. Now, I like to uh, pause here. Usually in these sessions, we are actually uh, engaged in several different kind of events at the same time in one episode, in one uh, session. So I just wanted to let you know that when I switch, uh, not switch, but when I progress from one uh, event to the other, uh, know in the back of your mind that we're actually uh, almost multitasking, uh, <laughs> so to speak, in several different areas, all at the same time. And, you know, it's just like going to a movie theater. And in the movies, um, for me, when we are actually uh, going through these sessions, it's like it's a 360-degree panoramic-type scene for me. And we are actually going from one scene to the next. We're going from the first scene to the second scene to the fourth scene, back to the first scene. And... Somehow, by the grace of God, we actually uh, conquer, we actually subdue, we're actually finding solutions to all of these different areas in my life in that one session. So I just wanted to say something about that. Daniel? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, um, not everyone is like Casey. As many of you know, uh, when people, if, if you've actually heard her podcast and then reached out to me and said, I'm going to sit down with Dan and have the panoramic 3D uh, high def, you know, experience and, and realize that's not quite what happened. Uh, you know, that's the way her gift works. And not everyone is a seer in that sense. And we're all unique and different and individual in the way that we operate in Christ. And many of us need to undergo activations and we need to undergo exercise in, in our spiritual gifts in order to become more effective at engaging the spirit realm. It, it, oftentimes we take a journey. And so I just wanted to say that, but on, on the dead human spirits, this is an area that we, we've gotten into on this podcast with several individuals in the past. And uh, for many of you that, you know, maybe you're new to this podcast and you've been religiously programmed or you, you come from a background where everything's a demon, this is this sounds like heresy, but it's not. Let me, t let me tell you something. I was thrown for a loop when I read a book called Regions of Captivity by Dr. Anna Mendez, and she talked in there about the Lord saying, you have not addressed the army of the dead. I remember reading her book years ago and thinking, 
I disagree with that. And I, I, I just kept reading. I just read right over that key. And what I didn't realize is that I did the same thing that some of you are going to do during this po- podcast. It, 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 because it's the first time you hear new information. You don't really have a place for it. And so you often are uh, inclined to dismiss it. But I want to encourage you to rethink that because what I can tell you as a practitioner in getting people set free day in and day out, person after person after person after person, Casey is not the only one that gets afflicted by dead human spirits at all. As a matter of fact, this is a major problem for many people throughout the world. There's a reason why ancestral worship is built into several major religions throughout the world because there's a reality behind it and uh, the the idea that Christians or anyone you know either dies and just goes straight to heaven or straight to hell and that's the end of the story and it works like that every time is simply not not accurate as a matter of fact in the book of revelation explain to me why the sea has to give up the dead which are in it if everyone that dies outside of Christ goes to hell Okay, on that point alone, everybody with this more traditional type mentality or theology gets stumped. They say, well, I don't know why there's people in the sea. I don't have a, an explanation for that. Well, yeah, there's not only dead in the sea. I, there, there are dead in Alabama. <laughs> there are dead in every state in the United States of America, in different cities. They, they have um, all kinds of things going on. And there's a, the key scripture that begins to crack this conversation open and, and actually... Uh, this was shared by Arthur Burke on my program a while back, is in Isaiah chapter 28, and in verse 14 and 15, it says, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with how we are at agreement, when the overflowing scourge passes through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we, are, we have hidden ourselves. There is such a thing as a covenant with death that does allow for operation from beyond the grave for people uh, that are committed to to evil. And of course, it it does get very complex and complicated. I'm not going to begin to give you all of the details on this issue. That's why I have KC here, because we get to talk about the reality of how this kind of thing plays out in the course of actual work. Right, Because here's a testimony. When somebody gets set free by the power of Jesus, his name, his blood, and the application of his finished work, we should all stand up and cheer. Praise Jesus. And if that involves his power dealing with dead human spirits, then we need to begin to rethink our theology. Okay, I'm off my little soapbox here. Let's continue. Absolutely. So in this small town in Alabama... There is a community that has a white house on on a church property, and it was used to practice the Freemasonry rituals. So in a vision, I heard voices come from the white building on the property. There was also a cemetery that was in the back of the church. These voices said that it was time, it was actually payback time for my husband. These dead people's spirits knew that my husband was preparing to launch into ministry and they were trying to preempt his destiny. So I continued telling Daniel about the story of the two women who were dead uh, human spirits. 
And I heard a dead human spirit woman say to the other dead human spirit woman that my husband's name was mentioned in that white building on the church property and and uh, that that building was used for masonic rituals uh, in that small town in alabama so an immediate member of my husband's family suddenly came to my uh force actually it just came to the forefront of my memory and um he was initiated into the Freemasons and he was required to dedicate the next generation to continue the work of the Masonic order in that area. Now, the funny thing about this is that even though this particular family member had two sons, which would be considered the second generation. And usually it's just passed down from the father to the sons, the demonic anointing, passed decided to pass this masonic order demonic satanic stuff i call it stuff on to my husband who is the third generation by the way so i thought that was very interesting and you know when you think about it that reminds me of the scripture that says in exodus 20 verses 4 through 6 and i am using the amplified here it says, you shall not make for yourself any idol or any likeness form manifestation of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water in the earth as an object of worship. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous and passion God demanding what is rightfully and uniquely mine visiting the iniquity, the sin, the guilt of the fathers unto the children, that is calling the children to account for the sins of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing graciousness and steadfast loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Therefore, the dead human spirits attempted to place a demand on my husband's service for the kingdom of darkness. Imagine that. So I like to take a little pause <clears throat> and I, I really like to stress that it's really serious business and it's also a threat to your life and destiny if you or your parents or grandparents, great-grandparents and previous generations of your bloodline are initiated into the Freemasons or any other fraternal orders, especially the college and graduate fraternities and sororities. The um, sister order of the Freemasons is the Eastern Star. And our Heavenly Father is loving, but at the same time, he's just. And he calls to account our own iniquities and our ancestral iniquities when it's very serious, like uh, the Freemasons, for example. Daniel? And I just want to say this. In the Hebrew, there are 11 words translated to our English word iniquity. And there is another word that's translated as sin. And what many of us, I think, overlook at times in an oversimplification of the word of God and the way things work, 
is is that sin and iniquity are not necessarily to be obscured. They're not the same thing. Iniquity attaches itself to a bloodline. Sin is an act that's committed. Now, if a person is sinning, it produces an iniquity in the bloodline that can then be genetically passed down, both in the physical and in the spirit. Um, so a sinful lifestyle actually changes. I mean, truly, it changes the genetic composition of that bloodline because they begin to pass down an iniquity that then needs to be regened. Or in other words, this is why we are washed with the washing of re generation in Jesus Christ because in him we are being regened back to original purpose and intent and um, so iniquity is a big deal it's a big study and uh, the iniquity does get passed down so this is all very true and and we deal so much with iniquity and the biggest challenge with iniquity is that people don't always know all of the iniquity they've inherited. And so the devil cheats and he attacks and he hammers and he smashes and people just repent of their sins and it doesn't get them very far. And then they're told you're doing it wrong, you're not a good Christian. And I hate that language because when you work with survivors, you learn very quickly that all that does is produce shame, guilt, and condemnation that actually drives people away from Christ and not to him. And so iniquity is something very important for the church to understand because it is a major reason why people have battles and struggles that they have great difficulty in overcoming even after they come to Jesus in repentance. So, uh, Casey, go ahead. Yes, Daniel. And that, you know, <clears throat> as each day goes by, Daniel, I, I am beginning to understand more and more where we are actually destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Uh, that's what the word says. And I'm beginning to really take hold of that and really understand that. So since my husband and I are one flesh and I was interfering with their plans by praying for my husband, these two human spirit, and, and they were women, decided to afflict me and of course they were not alone so Daniel led me through the prayer to be set free from the Poseidon bloodline and freedom from the human from human persecution one of the prayers that was used in from the bridemovement.com website was the freedom from human persecutors prayer and that is on the website free right now so during that prayer, we started to pray against the centennial intelligences with their agenda parts to be blotted out. And so Daniel sent a holy virus into the nanotech circuitry. I saw, now when Daniel did this, we actually paused right there when we got to that segment of the sentient intelligences because Daniel had to do a little more warfare, and that's when he actually sent a holy virus into the nanotech uh, circuitry. Now, when he did that, I actually saw three blue men who were a part of the nanotech circuitry, if you can imagine that. Then I saw electric viruses destroying them, and these are the viruses that, that Daniel sent. And so it was like a living electronic organism 
that covered the blue men and consumed them. If you could just imagine this electronic organism actually covering the blue men, they actually consumed them. They just disappeared. Daniel? <laughs> so this is where things get real fancy and funny. And, and this is this is the kind of stuff, folks, that leads to the extremely pinpointed and uh, over-the-top language that's found in some of our prayers. It's like, why would you ever pray against sentient intelligences? That's why. Why would you put nanotechnology in the prayer where you're addressing fallen heavenly power bloodlines? That's why. These are the kinds of things we deal with that cause us to put language in the prayers that and, and all of these are found in prayers that shake heaven and earth by the way and many of them are on our website for free so that you don't have to figure this out <laughs> but you can still get all the fruit you know but but this is why and and this is one of the reasons why i love having people like casey on the program because we get to talk about and say look when you run into this kind of stuff and it's like oh how are we going to deal with this nanotech circuitry it, it, that's this is where people get stuck in a deliverance session. It's like, all right, I've been yelling at this demon for you know two hours and I'm tired, and and all of a sudden we're seeing this nanotech. So what what am I going to do with that? You know, we're just going to call this. It's this too weird. You're not good at this Christian thing. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, and 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 so people get let down. They get disappointed, um, and 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 leaders are frustrated. We're trying to bridge that gap, so we're doing our homework. What we found is that um, with many of these heavenly power bloodlines they they merge the the bondage with nanotech and I, and I don't know necessarily where they're developing their nanotech I, I think they do it in other realms and weave it in but at the end of the day you, the, the language applies and you do have to deal with some of the components as if it were technical or electronic or with language that you would consider using with like computer code and computer conversation so it works it got the job done we do use viruses at times to uh, blow up some of these spiritual computers and ruin the technologies of the kingdom of darkness you take it or leave it i'll tell you it gets the job done okay casey please continue it, it sure does it will get the job done that's for sure so now we're back at Charles. So now Charles told me that Daniel will need to use the net of the Lord to sweep up the dead human spirits to the courts of heaven for judgment. So Daniel prayed and used the net of the Lord and it swept up 20 dead human spirits up to the court room of the Lord. And so Daniel and I were actually sitting in what seemed to be a space that was enclosed by a wooden stand, and we were facing the 20 human spirits that were restrained by an invisible net of the Lord, if you can imagine that. So uh, God the Father and Jesus were on the other side of the dead human spirits, and they were just watching us. So Daniel inquired of the Lord, asking what should he do with the, the dead human spirits and he didn't receive an answer. And so Charles didn't answer, give an answer either. He was just watching. So later on, I realized that we were in one of Daniel's courts of justice. And Daniel has mentioned in, several, in some of his other podcasts that uh, he has several courts of justice. 
So Daniel decided to preach the kingdom of salvation to the dead human spirits first. 14 of them accepted Jesus and they were actually swooshed. It, it looked like they were actually swooshed up in a way as if they were being escorted by the angels to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a very awesome scene to see. And then to our astonishment and surprise, the other six said, we got our own religion. Oh, it was in a real defiant way. I mean, it was just so arrogant. We got our own religion. And they were violently snatched out of the courtroom in what seemed to be faster than a blink of an eye, if you can, if you can just imagine it. Daniel? <laughs> You're blowing me up right now, Casey. <laughs> You're blowing me up. All right. So, so now, now I have to explain this mess. Um, all right. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, in the spirit, I do have courts. How do I explain this? You know, for a long time, I I, I was doing using this a particular strategy to do warfare, where I mean, anytime we would raid a realm, I would be pulling out all of the parts of people, especially the survivors that were needing to be rescued from these regions of captivity and. You know, some of this language is going to sound strange to those of you that are first-time listeners, but, well, that's okay. You'll figure it out. Uh, we're, we're taking all these parts, spirit, soul, body, gene codes, um, samples, so and so forth, out of these realms and taking them to third heavenly places for processing. And we were turning over all of the testimony of this to the courts of heaven to render judgments against the realms and that's how we were going about actually collapsing judging destroying the evil realms that were being used as regions of captivity for the children of god and others and i was doing this so often then i began to hear the lord say you don't need to keep doing this um just you do it stop you do it stop you and every time i would hear that in the spirit i would immediately do what you did when you heard her say that say no, that doesn't make any sense. Dan doesn't have any courts. Like, yeah, you can believe that all you want. Um, I'm sitting there arguing with God for weeks and weeks on end. And then finally, God just breaks it down and says, no, you, look, you know my judgment on this particular issue. Anytime there's this specific kind of case or warfare, I am giving you permission to handle it in your own court. So suddenly I began to be able to pull some of these perpetrators and different things into my own courts. And I was just given that by God because, you know, I, I knew the father's judgment. And so I just said the same thing he would say every time. And it, and, and, it, and so we just kind of drifted into that. And that's where we found ourselves in, in this particular case. Now, uh, there was an office in the Old Testament called the office of the judge. And what was the office of the judge for? It was for the vindication of the children of God. God would appoint a judge when he wanted his children to be liberated, to be vindicated, and to be set free from their bondage and captivity and their slavery. So what am I doing? <laughs> I'm doing all of those things. And some of you that are listening to me are called to do those things as well. There, that is an office in the kingdom of God. You know, some people say, well, God expired the office of judge. No, he didn't. Not really. Uh, and and so there's much deeper teaching that we could have on this subject. I mean, I could go on and on. We did a nine-part series on the office of the judge at Fireplace Church, so if you missed it, I'm sorry. But the idea is that, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, we did find ourselves in one of these courts. And 
And if you read our Freedom from Gang Stalking Prayer at www.bridemovement.com, you will see that part of the strategy for dealing with these out-of-body agents that attack, some of which are alive and some of which are dead, involves preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. For some people, the only place they are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ is in the spirit realm. And it applies there as well. It's actually honored. You know, sometimes people ask the question, what is God going to do about all the people that died and never heard the gospel? One of the things we're realizing is that they are getting the gospel preached to them after they die in the context of warfare by people like me and Casey. (laughs) And some of them get saved. Now, that's where you got to stand up and cheer for Jesus because it's like, Really? You're reaching people like that? Yeah, he is. Because he loves them. And he loves you too. So uh, let's stop getting angry about the fact that your theology is being assaulted and just praise Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Okay. All right. So now, now we're going to go back to the scene of the 12 mermen. So now Daniel decides decided to charge his realm with the names of God. And then he interposed his realm over the 12 mermen who were fighting against my ruler. And Daniel destroyed them with ease. I mean, they just disappeared. All of a sudden they just disappeared. And that's that. I mean, that was it. So now my ruler was left standing in her chariot and she was saying loudly with her sword raised up in her right hand, it was funny. She says, hey, hey, where are they? Where are they? Hey, that's what she was saying. And of course, she was referring to the merman because she wanted to fight, you know. So uh, after that, when she saw that they they disappeared, they were gone, she quickly left the scene with her horses uh, to another conquest. And that was it for my ruler. So Uh, This session was very easy, although it had many uh, scenes that had to be addressed. It was very easy. It was not draining. It didn't drain our energy. As a matter of fact, it ended in in 45 minutes. Daniel's good, everybody. Daniel's good. Ended in 45 minutes. So, uh, and at that point, it seemed... To me that the sessions were actually getting easier and easier and um, I would often hear the Word of God speaking in Revelations 12 11 and again I'm using the Amplified Bible and they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony for they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death This is a beautiful promise from our Father in heaven. All promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. So this is the end of that particular part. And we are going to progress on to another session. And uh, it's just as exciting. So as usual, Daniel starts out with prayer. So um, after Daniel's prayer, I read to Daniel two dreams that I had that day. And um, the dreams were very, they were quite interesting. Uh, In this dream, I was actually at a convention and it was supposed to be a political rally. And a programmer 
masqueraded in a poor image of a well-known political leader. And he had red eyes of what seemed to be part human and part alien. He wore a navy blue suit and he stood in the middle of the convention floor and he was poised to give demonstrations on how to program and torture people. So this programmer stood in the floor of a white painted, well, he actually stood in front of a white painted wall that had four small rooms behind it. The wall had four doors in it and each door was the entranceway into a small room behind the door. So if you could just imagine, you know, you're looking at this white wall and then you see uh, four doors and if you go through one of those doors, it's actually you you actually step into a small room, a very small room. So that's what it was. And in these rooms, it was an intercom system uh, in order so that the victims could communicate with the programmer on the outside in the conference room. So uh, one person was in, in each of these small rooms and they were actually looking out of a one-way mirror just to see the programmer. So this man, to me, to me this program, uh, programmer looked like a Norwegian descent man, and he looked to be about 75 years old. And his name wasn't revealed to me, so Daniel uh, identified him as a Norwegian man. So that's what we're gonna call him. We're gonna call him the, the Norwegian man. So this Norwegian man was praising the victims who were in those rooms for submitting to his programming and torture. Now, this, this is a convention. <laughs> and so out of curiosity, I wanted to see what one of those program programming rooms looked like from the inside. So what did I do? I decided to enter into one of those rooms and it was located at the end of the hall uh, of the convention center. So now the, the Norwegian man looked at me through the one-way mirror glass. Now I have to stop right here and just say that the one-way mirrored glass allowed the people from the inside to look out into the conference room and no one could look from outside when you're standing on the outside of the conference room. You couldn't look at the victims uh, uh, inside the room. However, the Norwegian man had the ability to look right through those mirrors into those little rooms to actually see his victims. So he had a great look of disdain on his face, real proud and arrogant when he looked at me. So after I entered into one of the rooms, I noticed that the room started to shrink immediately so that I could not move and I had to sit down on the floor. I tried to escape, but the door also moved. The door was actually by my left side, but it actually moved down my left side to the left, uh, left ankle uh, of my leg, it actually moves. So if you can imagine this, the door is right there on your left side. That's how you enter in. You enter into the room, you're facing out towards the convention center and you actually see the door move from your side all the way down to almost your foot level because you're sitting on the floor. 
So you can't escape out. It's just made it impossible for me to get out of that little room. It was difficult for me. And also it was very difficult to stand up. So suddenly, as I was sitting there in that small little room, I felt an evil force of a potentate to descend on the room and it slammed the door shut. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I get for wanting, for being so curious and wanting to know what that room looked like. Uh, from that, I woke up from that nightmare and it was a nightmare indeed. Daniel, do you want to say something? You know, when you're in heavy duty spiritual warfare, oftentimes it's reflected in your dreamscape. Uh, dreams can be terrible. And I'll tell you, Casey can identify with what some of you are going through. It, 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 it can be a very depressing proposition to go to sleep knowing what you're going to face, both when you're woken up from your sleep and what you're going to deal with while you're sleeping. But I'll tell you, Jesus has an answer. Go ahead. Yes, he does. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that I had two dreams. So I'm going to go and talk a little bit about the second dream as well. So an oppressive spiritual force caused me to sleep heavily. And then I started to shake. I quaked to the point of shaking the entire bed. And my husband woke me up from that nightmare as well. So my husband led me to pray some of the prayer points from a book uh, called Dealing with Local Satanic Technology by Dr. Uh, Ola Koya. Well, in his book, uh, it focused on evil arrows and ladders that were used by Satan to climb into people's lives. And that also was happening into my life as well. So we just prayed some of those prayer points. After completing those prayers, I decided to go back to sleep. My sleep was disturbed once again, actually an hour later, and I just woke up. So in my dream, <clears throat> I was trying to accomplish a simple business task. I felt an invisible spiritual uh, blocking force that was holding me from accomplishing a task. And I'm sure many of, many of you have probably experienced that as well. You're trying to accomplish something and it seems like something is just holding you back and you can't complete that task. So you end up very frustrated. Well, that was what was going on there with me. So <clears throat> this led me to have an overwhelming, strong feeling of hopelessness and failure. And we just don't like to have those kind of uh, feelings because we're created to win. We're created to overcome. We're created to accomplish business things and business tasks. So I noticed that this same oppressive spirit will cause me to go to sleep when I read the Bible, when I pray, when I listen to Daniel's podcast, or when I work. So I decided to call that part of my soul that was in bondage to this evil spirit to come forth and speak. Now, by this time, we are in uh, episode number eight, but Daniel has taught me by this time that I can actually call my own parts. If I recognize that, that we're dealing with a part here uh, through my dreams, which is actually being revealed in my dreams, I, I have learned now that I can actually call my own parts to come forth and I'll ask for them, you know, I'll ask for their names and uh, why, how are they created, etc. So 
and this was my first experiment and it worked. So I called my soul part that was in bondage to this evil spirit to come forth and speak. And she came forth and I heard that her name was Valencia. So I told my spirit woman to give her some bread of life, some living water, some milk and honey and healing balm. And I would encourage those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time to please listen to episode number five again to get more information about my spirit woman and how Daniel actually gave me those gifts. Well, my spirit woman gifts of bread of life, uh, bread of life, living water, milk and honey. As, as a matter of fact, when Daniel gave me the milk and honey and the healing bomb, he said, well, you know, that's not going to be for you, Casey. That's going to be for others. And sure enough, I am actually using these items for Valencia. So I asked Valencia to speak and she didn't say anything. So Charles, my guardian angel and protector did not have any information about her because she wouldn't talk to him either. I could perceive that Valencia was part of my soul who was in that torture booth at the convention center that I mentioned earlier. So I told Daniel about Valencia during the coaching session and Daniel called Valencia to come forth and to introduce herself. Well, she was already present, but she didn't want to talk just yet. So Daniel asked me how old was she? And I knew that she was 16 years old. So I told Daniel her age, Daniel. Hmm. So, I mean, we have on this podcast talked a lot about dissociation. So, so just briefly, we run into three primary types of parts. We do run into soul fragments, and that has to do with the shattering of the heart and Bible speak through trauma, through various disappointments, letdowns, things that um, are difficult to navigate. Uh, we, we, we also find that sometimes during those moments of shattering, uh, parts are split off that are not pure soul, that there are soul and spirit combined into one identity as a part. And then we do find at times some spirit parts as well, depending on the level of trauma, because the Bible says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These the Lord will not despise. And that word for broken in Psalm fifty-one seventeen is shabar, which means to break or shatter in pieces. So we do deal with parts and parts can show up and, 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 and a person can become aware of their parts in different ways. One of those ways is in dreams where the identity of a part is being revealed. So many times when survivors of different things are on healing journeys, they will find that their dreams are extremely important to the healing journey. When they pay attention to their dreams and where they are in their dreams and who they are in their dreams, there's a lot of acceleration that begins to take place. So please continue. Absolutely, Daniel. And that is why it's so important to uh, write your dreams down whenever you have them. So um, then suddenly... Valencia started talking. Now, Daniel's asking her questions. She's, she's not saying anything. She's 
Daniel's asking Charles, well, who is she? Charles didn't have anything because she's not saying anything to him, talking to him, but they're looking at each other. I know she's standing there. She's right there. She's not talking to me, but then out of nowhere, she starts talking and then she wouldn't stop. She said that this 75 year old Norwegian man was a master tormentor and program. She said, he's the one that programmed into my soul part, which was Valencia, that uh, he was going, that I was going to marry a white man or Valencia actually was me. He was extremely cruel. Valencia said that he was extremely cruel in how he treated my soul part. Valencia said he did remote controlling and he's living today. Now, note, my husband and I discussed that part about him living today, and we came to the conclusion that this human spirit must be embodied in someone else in order for him to be living. And I know Daniel's going to want to say something about that. Oh, goodness gracious. So this is uh, where things get a little bit fancier because, you know, you think you've gotten to the bottom of the, the, the proverbial abyss and and then you just realize nope still falling still falling so do all programmers program a physical person in a physical location the answer is no not at all as a matter of fact most programming probably does not occur in physical locations at all majority of programming that is occurring across the world is being done to fragments of people that are being pulled out of body or having dream injection experiences where the programming is actually occurring in the person's subconscious or in another area of the spirit realm or on the astral plane. They're being pulled out of body at times. People have parts that are targeted during their sleep. They're, They're summoned, they're pulled out of body, they're triggered, they go places and they get programmed there and then they are sent back with all these programs and agendas from the kingdom of darkness that were implemented through torture and pain. And then the person's left trying to navigate life with a bunch of parts that have all been programmed and getting reprogrammed on a nightly basis. This is the reality of what we deal with. And so this is just a picture that's a little bit easier to track because here we're dealing with one part being programmed by one programmer and, and the dream is so clear. I'll sit down with other people and we'll have thousands of parts going out every night and being sent back and they're all being programmed by different programmers that are parts of other people in different areas of the world and it just multiplies and multiplies in complexity and weirdness and oddness and and, and you know what Jesus is still bigger okay he's still bigger but this is what the body of Christ is up against you know you, you think I'm weird but you if you go to church are probably sitting next to someone that is the way they are because of some of these things going on that they can't talk to anybody about. And if you're religious, you're part of the problem. And, you know, this is where my heart breaks for people that really have difficulty um, with problems on this level. It's hard to find community and a safe place. But you know what? That's one of the reasons for this podcast. The more of us that get educated, the more safe places God is able to establish. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely, Daniel. Your podcast and your uh, entire ministry has created a safe place for me, that's for sure. Hmm. So now, Valencia, 
she's talking now. She hasn't stopped talking. So Valencia said that she came into being after feeling the pain of my parents who would ask, who, when I would ask, where were the black people on the television shows back during the 60s time frame that my parents didn't have a positive answer to, to, uh, to give to me, if you can imagine that. Yes, back in the 60s, there were no black people on the TV show. And I was, a, I was a, actually a little girl back during those time frames. So my question pained my parents so much that I could actually feel that energy of pain. I mean, it was a deep pain and I could actually feel it. And this pain was so acute that Valencia came into existence to bear the pain of my parents' life experience, experiences of extreme brutality from racism, if you can imagine that. So uh, I would ask my parents the question, that same question over and over again, every day and every night. And sometimes I would call myself staying awake until the wee hours of the morning. Now, back then, of course, the television network did not play 24 hours like it plays now. It would uh, turn off at midnight. But I would stay or try to stay awake uh, saying to myself, okay, well, I'm going to see at least one black person upon, uh, on the television. But it didn't happen, of course. So um, Valencia was accessed by a male teacher when I was uh, a little girl. And this male teacher actually practiced witchcraft in the preschool that I attended while living on an Air Force base in Moses Lake, Washington. So I always wondered why I was afraid of that teacher. And um, I just didn't know why I was afraid of him. Well, you know, he was... <laughs> He knew how to uh, access Valencia. That's why he practiced witchcraft. So Daniel led me through the Freedom from Illuminati Bloodline Genetics Prayer. And Daniel initially gave the 75-year-old man from Norway the identification of the Norwegian man. And he used that as a title, as a pinpoint um, way to... Um, to um, be effective in the, in, to be effective in my freedom uh, by using the freedom from the Illuminati bloodline genetics prayer. So Valencia was programmed to hate uh, godly covenant relationships and to turn to ungodly relationships. <laughs> she would keep me isolated, literally. Daniel commanded angels to dismantle the program. Three angels appeared on the scene in the image of three black men, and they were fully equipped with power tools to dismantle the program and the computer system on the inside of me. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, you know, these angels, all these angels have wings, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. These three angels appeared as men. <laughs> I mean, it was almost like they went to Lowe's hardware store and they just, <laughs> and they bought, <laughs> they bought all these power tools. 
<laughs> I mean, they had every kind of power tool that you could have. They were fully equipped. But, you know, God's angels are always going to be fully equipped. So, that yes, they were equipped with all kind of power tools. I know, Daniel, you want to say something about that. <laughs> you know, I might just let you <laughs> drop the mic on that one, Casey. You know, <laughs> folks. It gets a lot of, this is, I mean, it's not all brutality. Some of this is fun to watch and learn. The truth is they do install uh, computers. And this is not computer like what you have sitting on your desk. It is an operational system that runs programs on the inside of a person. And as you view it in the spirit, you will see it look like something your mind can process or identify with, which can be a computer, but they are computers. And God has angels that are technician angels. They, they actually specialize in taking these kinds of things apart. I've worked with different technician angels and they look different when they come in. And she saw what she saw. It's, it's, it's fascinating, really. It's really fascinating. Go ahead. It certainly was fascinating. Indeed. So now Charles took what seemed like a measuring ruler from the program system. He actually gave that measuring ruler to the angels. So the angels, I can actually see the angels. The angels were drilling, they were dismantling what seemed to be a what seemed to be pickup sticks and Lego structures that were entangled in the layers of my heart muscle. So after the separation, I eventually gained back my emotion of passion. I noted that those pickup sticks were like prickly sticks that had electronic energy running up and down on the sticks. So the light was a bluish color and these sticks held the Legos together. So the angels took the programming structure with them so, and then they, you know, they left because their mission was complete. So then I received a blood transfusion from Jesus Christ. And in the process, I declared that all of the Norwegian man's circuitry, nanotech, back doors, front doors, trap doors, cord, wires, cables, tr um, chips, computer chains, backup programs, backup power sources, receptors, and eggs were destroyed and that all of their residue uh, would be purged with the living water of life. And so as I received this blood transfusion from Jesus Christ, I felt like it, it, it seemed like a water balloon. It was like a watertight balloon that actually acted as a scab, but I actually felt it being pulled out of the back of my head in the occipital lobe area. It looked like a gray jelly translucent type water balloon. So now I want to say that in the middle of declaring the prayer Daniel led me to forgive that Norwegian man. And so, you know, of course we have to forgive, right? But no, I didn't want to forgive that man because he was a cruel man. Valencia didn't want to forgive him. But, you know, uh, Daniel said something uh, that was very pivotal. It, it was a, like a pivotal truth at that moment when he said it. 
And um, it calls me to come into alignment with the will of our Heavenly Father to forgive. When Daniel told me that uh, it's always good to forgive. And, and I was to remember that forgiving is, was for myself. However, that does not mean that the Norwegian men would escape justice from God our Father. So I like to say that one more time. To forgive is for yourself. However, it does not mean that the perpetrator or the person that's doing you injustice will escape the justice from God our Father. I like to let that sink in for just a moment because that is very pivotal. So Valencia and I both forgave the Norwegian man. And then Valencia was ready to be integrated back into my core soul. So Daniel prayed that Valencia would be integrated back into my core soul. However, before he prayed for Valencia to be integrated, my spirit woman poured anointing oil on her head and Valencia just threw up her hands and she just praised the Lord. Then my exhorter appeared on the scene with her megaphone in her right hand and her red pom-pom in her left hand and she encouraged Valencia. My ruler came to see who Valencia was. There's more information about the different aspects of course, in episode five. So even Daniel's ruler was present as well, and he he was quietly observing all of this excitement. Actually, at this point, Daniel's realm presented the, the uh, face of Daniel's ruler at that point. It wasn't all of Daniel's ruler, but it was actually the face of Daniel's ruler that was there. It was quite, it's quite a, 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 an exciting scene to experience. Daniel? <laughs> do, you, do, do you remember what his face looked like? <laughs> Daniel, your ruler, your ruler actually looks just like you, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so and at that point, you had, at that time, you had this beard that it, it just looked just like you. That is too funny. Except he didn't have his glasses on. He just had the beard. <laughs> Daniel's ruler's eyes are fierce looking. I tell you, he doesn't play. And neither does he talk too much either. He's just there to get the job done. But in this particular case, he was so interested in who Valencia was, he just decided just to appear just to see all of this commotion. <laughs> that's so good it's just so fun um you know here's one thing i want to just tag on to what casey was saying about forgiveness isaiah 43 25 says i even i am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins the truth is god is a god of justice and all throughout the old testament you see god bringing justice and judgment but he also blots out transgressions, but he does it for himself. He says, for my own sake, I'm doing this. And when we go to consider forgiving others that have hurt us, wounded us, tormented us, we have to realize that God set a pattern. If he forgives transgressions for his sake, we can forgive transgressions for our sake. And that sets us free. And just like she said, it does not omit justice or the pursuit of 
what's right, you know. Uh, some people say, well, what if someone did some terrible thing to my property and, and, and defiled my, you know, car or whatever, and I want to take them to court and, you know, get what's rightfully mine. They should pay for that. If I forgive them, am I out? It, the answer is no. You forgive them and then you take them to court and you get what you rightfully deserve for the crime that they have committed. But you can get justice for a crime after you've forgiven. And as a matter of fact, once you've forgiven, you're able to come into alignment with the kingdom of God and resources from heaven to ensure that justice is served and the enemy does not derail the process of justice. When you as a child of God pursue justice from a place of unforgiveness, you can't even effectively partner with heaven the way you could if you would just release the forgiveness and then engage in the pursuit of justice. So uh, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, Casey. And uh, why don't you go ahead and finish the telling? Okay. And uh, okay, so now out of all, with all of this commotion that's going on with Valencia, my ruler, uh, my mercy, I'm sorry, my mercy part showed up and uh, she was shouting, there's justice, there's justice. My teacher was there and so was my prophet. Now, I'm not sure about my server and the giver that were being present, but because this was such a big party for Valencia, I guess it was all having to do with the issue of forgiving. And uh, I, I'm sure that they were somewhere around, but I just didn't perceive at that time that they were there. So Valencia was uh, integrated back into my core soul. Charles, my guardian angel, was so pleased. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just something to behold. So uh, this session, of course, lasted only 53 minutes. I mean, um, Daniel has actually come up with ways in his deliverance sessions that's quite powerful and it's very, very efficient. And we're not spending hours and hours and hours to solve some very, very complex issues. So uh, Psalm 23 really comes to my, alive to me with this. And uh, it, from the Amplified, it reads, He refreshes and restores my soul, my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that is it for right now. Daniel? Folks, this has been Storytime with Casey Part 8. I hope you enjoyed it. Casey, thank you so much for joining me again to continue the telling of the epic adventures that we've had in the spirit. And um, I hope, folks, this has helped you uh, with some clarity, with some understanding. Some of you that are going into these directions with your own healing journey or with those that you love and care about, you know, there are keys here. And so with that said, we'll be back next week. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com.